production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... We're talking with Amard Vital, and he is a motivational consultant and international speaker and an author. He has uh, four, I believe it's four books out. He also works with young um, developing athletes to help them um, achieve the best that they can be. And he starts with uh, not just the physical gifts, but also the mental side of it and, and putting that together. So that's, that's who he is. He's really is a talented man and he's pretty, pretty well known. So that's, that's, that's why it's important that we, that we, Hey, look at that. It's, it's, Oh, he's, he's still setting up. So we'll give him a chance to set up. Are you, Amart, are you all set up? Let's go. All right. <laughs> like a true athlete. Exactly. Amard, this is Nathan. Nathan is our board operator today. Pleased to meet you, Amard. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Thank you all for having me on. Uh, it's great to have you here, sir. So we were just talking, doing your bio just a little bit, but I would like you to spend a little bit of time talking a little bit more about yourself and where you came from and how you are impacting a lot of people's lives, athletes and, and uh, non-athletes as well. Oh, well, I mean, you know, the uh, I guess the backstory, if you want to take it all the way back to, to the to the foundation of things, um, I've been writing my whole life. Uh, you could say from the time I learned how to walk, I had a pen in my hand much, much after that. Um, been writing since the age of 10 and, and just moved on through that. Obviously, I went to school, uh, majored in journalism, uh, continued doing um, sports writing all through school and obviously taking me all the way into my adult life. Worked in my first community newspaper fresh out of college, making $10 an hour, $17,700 a year. Um, I don't know how that works in Seattle. Uh, in Texas, it'll get you only so far. Uh, but my dad told me to take that job and keep it and keep it and keep it moving. And obviously I jumped into the Fox Sports Southwest, the scout.com and the rivals and just sort of came from there and wrote my first book. And they said, the way you sell your first book is to speak. So I turned into a speaker and I mean, I guess you could say the rest is just history since we can uh, just kind of get through that part of it from the background. But I mean, I love what I do and I enjoy um, being able to empower people through my writing and my speaking. Now, you do a lot with um, the Athletic Youth of America, don't you? That is correct. That is correct. And and how do you impact them? How do you help them? Uh, most times I, I get a lot of those guys in, and uh, I, I get them from high school coming to college and college into the real world. Uh, right now I would say I'm working with a lot of guys who were trying out for the NFL. Maybe they had a couple of years in the NFL. And then – you know, when they're done, they're done. And they're trying to find a way to position themselves into the real world. Because, I mean, if you you play, you know, anybody who's played college and NFL and NFL ball know that when you come out of that, you're still young. You may be old in the sport, but you're young. And so I try to help them transition into into regular life, whether it's a job, whether it's a career, whether it's uh, starting a business. And so working with those guys has been has been great work. And it's good to just see those guys uh, be able to transition from being on the gridiron to being in the game of life. Do you find that a top-notch athlete 
is different than the normal people wandering around? Do they think differently? What 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 separates them? Is it just their athletic ability? You froze up for a second, uh, Kevin. My bad. I'm sorry. You oh, said right. top top notch athletes from from regular people in in the world. Yeah, dude. Dude, when you are working with a top notch athlete, obviously we we as lay people who are not top notch athletes, we look at them and we put them on a pedestal and we think, boy, they're different than us. But are they? To some degree, you can say yes. Um, I will say this: successful people on the field are typically successful people off the field. Um, so success does have a certain mindset to come with it. Um, athletes are obviously you know, pretty aggressive guys try to get after it and things of that nature. But for the most part, they're not, they're not that much different uh, when it comes to, when it comes to those, like I said, who were successful, those who are successful are going to be successful regardless uh, of what profession they go into. I can name a number of guys I've seen, I've worked with who were very great on the football field and are very great in life now. So um, not too much different. It's just the, the, the regular people maybe don't, um, because a lot of them probably played ball in, in school as well. So they're they're trying to figure some things out as well. So not too much difference, but, you know, with with the high-end guys, they're all going to be able to do things at a higher level. Now, you know, um, but I'm sure you're aware of this, that uh, right now the NFL is doing their combine, um, and they're starting that, and that's, that's where the athletes go, and they get uh, – it's kind of like a cattle call or whatever they they, they get to show how, how talented they are, how high they can jump, how fast they can run, how many, how many times they can lift, you know, like an ungodly amount of weight and stuff like that. Have you ever been to that? I have. I've been to I've – I've been to most of the combines I've been to have been at the high school and the college level. Uh, I've not yet because I've never covered I've never covered NFL uh, football from from my end. I've always been a high end college football, but I have been to combines before where they test you in running, they test you in the vertical, test you how many times you can do two twenty five. Um, at some of the lower levels, they may go at one eighty five, but two twenty five is the standard. And so, yeah, it's it's a, it's an it's an awesome uh, exhibition. They go through some cone drills, and really, coaches just want to see how you move outside of pads and just you know, look at, look at a lot of different things is going to see if they're going to, you know, roll the dice and take a chance on you and pay you millions to make their football team better. And so that becomes a full-time job, just getting in shape and staying in shape so that you can have a shot at those millions. Oh yes. Uh, and agents pay a lot of money to, uh, to get guys they want to represent ready for those, for those combines because they, you know, they're going, they're going through the, they're going through, they're going through the same thing they're going to do at the combine but they need to build up to be able to do that. Most of these guys are pretty familiar with it, but they know that this is the, you know, the one shot to be able to, to, to show some things because the combine is an opportunity for you to be able to show where there's a vast number of different athletes from all over the country. And then of course you have your pro day later, which a lot of guys sometimes opt out and go to just the pro day or just the combine or somebody, some of them do a combination of both. Now, I got to ask you, because we are in Seattle, where the show is originating from. And, of course, as you know, we have got a football team here called the Seattle um, um, Seahawks. And they have a coach. His name is Pete Carroll. And I was reading an article today that um, one of the questions that he asks every – because what they do is they go to the combine and then they – they target the different athletes that they want to maybe bring 
in that they think they have a shot at because of the draft and stuff, because we've got the, the we're in the top five as far as the draft goes this year. So we've got a, so a real good shot at some really uh, top-notch players. And then that then they start talking about the mental side of it. And one of the questions he asks every one of them is, what other sports did you play and how were you um, in, in those other sports? Do you think that's a relevant question to be asking? Not that I would doubt Mr. Carroll. He's, he's like God around here. But um, do you think that's a good question? And do you think it's good for athletes to diversify and to do different, different things like baseball in the spring and uh, football in the fall and basketball maybe or wrestling or something like that in the winter? Absolutely. I'm, I'm all for multi-sport athletes. Um, you can learn, you can learn a lot from those, uh, from those guys. I can tell you right now, um, coming off of the back end, when I was working for uh, Fox Sports Southwest and scout.com and rivals, I can tell you right now, it had gotten to a point where if you're a skilled player in football and you did not run track in the spring, it, that, that said something. Um, a lot of the college, a lot of the college coaches wanted to see the skilled players, the defensive backs, the receivers, the running backs, those guys running track, which I understand that because obviously that's a big part of what you're doing is, is running and you want to get and you want to get your speed up. So that is a very relevant question. Um, allows you to see kind of what your skill set is. I know a lot of times when it comes to baseball, baseball, a lot of those guys are specialty kind of guys. Not to say they don't play two sports, but baseball usually is the 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 foremost sport, especially now with as much attention as being paid to baseball. But absolutely. Uh, multi-sport athletes, coaches want to know that. They want to know that you're, you're part of multiple teams and to see what the type of skills you have that can correlate over to other sports because obviously, you know, being being good on the basketball court can help in football and vice versa. And, of course, track helps with speed with all of those sports. So I think that's a very important question, and I think that it it, it says a lot about um, what type of athlete you're going to get bring, trying to bring onto your football team. The other thing, well, first of all, Take note, everybody. This is a gentleman who knows what he's talking about. So if you've got a young athlete and they're saying, I'm a really good football player, I don't want to do anything else. I want to just goof off in the wintertime and goof off in the spring. Get them involved in the other sports so that they can broaden their experience. And they might not be able to hit a curveball in the spring, but at least they, they're going to give it a shot because that's that's important in their overall development mentally as well as physically, I would guess. Don't you agree? Absolutely. It's um, and I will say that baseball is one of those sports to where if you do do something solo, it is baseball um, because sort of like soccer, you play year round. <laughs> it's like there's, yeah. there's gonna no offseason. <laughs> so and baseball is a very skill driven sport. Right. It's a very skill driven sport. And what I mean, like I, I always use the example. You can take a basketball player who's been playing basketball his whole life grab him in his sophomore, junior year and put him on the football field and he can be probably pretty good. Like if he's an athlete, he can be pretty good. You cannot wait till sophomore year and go grab a guy from a football field and say, hey, let's go try you out with baseball and think that that's going to work out in the same way. And I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but the base, the baseball skills are, are one that, that are very, they're very niche. You know, being able to field a ball. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've been to batting cages before and I've embarrassed myself, right? Like it's just, it's just, it's just not there. It's a very, it's a skill that that's usually built over time. I, I, I say that about, um, about baseball. I'd probably say that a little bit about soccer, tennis, 
those sports where it's very technical. You need to know the moves. You need to know the strokes and things of that nature. And so um, those will be the only sports where I would say you probably can go singular uh, with those. But the other sports, yeah, try out a bunch of things. You know, if you have a young kid, try him out on a lot of things and, and see where he sticks. You might find out he's better in one sport than another. My father thought I was better at basketball. I disagreed with him. I played college football. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you want you want to do as many sports as possible. And you want to keep them busy because you don't want idle minds running around in your house. <laughs> Say that again, idle minds? What, what's that mean? You don't want idle minds running around in your house. You want you want them to be busy doing things. Oh, right? You don't you don't want them having a lot of free time. Have you ever seen a teenager with free time? It's not it's not ideal. They 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 need to be doing something. And so they're, if they're part of sports, they're going to go. They're going to learn responsibility. They're going to learn discipline. They're going to learn teamwork. And after all of that, they're going to be tired when they come home. So when you fix them some food, they'll be ready to go to bed once all of that is over. It's a perfect it's a perfect mix for you. So idle minds, as Nathan is reminding me, is kind of what that means. So idle minds can cause trouble in the household, and especially if they end up on the uh, the corner uh, with a bunch of other idle-minded kids that are not doing anything, that could end up being a bad place. That is correct. Uh, you don't you uh, you have too much free time to think. Then yes, some some bad things that can go wrong. And if you meet up with other people who are idly minded, drifting like you said, on the streets, then that could be a bad thing. Exactly. So the other thing that, that uh, Pete Carroll does that, that um, I hadn't heard before is that uh, he uses a, the term called grit. Are you familiar with the term grit? Yes. Grit. The, 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 yes, the, the down home, just uh, the grit. He wants he wants his team and he wants every player on his team to have experienced adversity when they were younger and got through it. And he attributes that to uh, having a gritty personality, being able to exercise and to really dig deep into and to make it work. And he actually believes that grit, some people would say that grit is something you're born with. And he'll tell you, no, that you, that's a learned behavior that if you want to have grit, you can, but you're going to have to be tough and you're going to have to not give up and you're going to have to keep, and you have to work through adversity. But you know, that in, this is the transition that we get to make into everybody else because everybody else is, we're all in the same boat. If you're willing to quit and you don't have, if, if you're willing to stop, then you're not going to be successful. Well, when you talk about grit, um, yeah, I mean, unless you were just born into like like a really rough situation, you know, like, you know, your parents were both felons or something like that. You may have gotten grit early on because you probably have lived a pretty rough life. You probably have been in and out of foster homes and that sort of develops. Hopefully the grit can be used in a way that's going to be productive. But we know that sometimes the numbers and the statistics show that that goes in another direction. But grit comes grit is something that needs to be. And the reason why I think that he probably brings that up now is because it really needs to be reintroduced. Um, we have a lot of leagues out there. We have a lot of, you know, it's okay. And, and, you know, pat you on the back for, you know, losing or not taking score. Um, that's a real, that's a real issue. Um, because the only way you can understand grit and get down to the, to the nitty gritty of a situation is you got to take some losses. You have to get your teeth kicked in. Like you said, he said he's talking about adversity. 
you don't develop mental toughness. You don't develop grit. You don't develop um, the, 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 let's get, let's, let's do this again. The delayed gratification that comes from losses. That comes from, from, from taking a lot, taking some losses, you know, getting, getting beat up in, in the quest of doing what you're trying to do. You know, like, like I said, you talk about these participation trophies, these, you know, everybody's a winner. No, you're not. No, somebody needs to go home a loser. And that's what we need. We need more of that in society because, you know, it's, it's this idea that, that you try to, to buffer people from losses when in actuality you're hindering their growth. And so what he doesn't want is he doesn't want that spoon fed, you know, I got a trophy my whole life. I've been living a silver spoon type of situation because he knows that, you know, in the fourth quarter when no timeouts left and you got to drive the length of the field, do you have the mental toughness to be able to get us through and bring us to a win? If you don't have the grit, if you don't have the resilience, hey, man, you're not going to last long. You're probably not going to last that long in the league anyway. And luckily enough, you've got through college but you probably won't make it through the NFL if you don't have um, a lot of that, a lot of that, the, the mentality to be able to push through when everything is against you. You know, I know exactly what you're talking about because I had two boys. They participated in flag football and baseball and, and all the, they had more trophies. They never won anything. Their teams never, never came in first, but they had more trophies. Um, they had big boxes of trophies of, of, because every time, every sport they played, Every time they played, they got a trophy and it was, you're right. It was a participation trophy, but they never knew what it was like to actually win uh, a championship. And uh, I think a lot of kids, I think you're right. I think that we need to uh, rethink that because that, that happened kind of um, in the, in my lifetime, it, it has changed because when I was, a, when I was a kid and I played uh, um, high school football, um, they would do drills like they took, you know, the, the stand-up dummies that the, they block into. They would make a circuit. They would make a square out of, out of that those uh, um, stand-up dummies. And then they would point to somebody and say, get in the square. And then they would point to another guy and say, get in the square. Last one out wins. No rules. Which... So basically, it turned into a fist fight to get the person out. Now you were wearing helmets and stuff, so you weren't going to get really hurt. But the the concept was you got to be tougher than the other guy. You got to be ready to to go and to not quit. And so that's that's how they did it back then. And then somewhere along the line, people said, "Oh, that's mean. That's that's hard on the children. We're not going to do that anymore." I think I think maybe someplace in the middle would be a good place to be. What do you think? You're absolutely correct. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on the idea that if your kids are involved with something that doesn't have a clear winner and a loser, pull them out immediately. Um, I, I, I want the clear winner and the loser. Um, because I always, I always jokingly say my, uh, my father put me in track early on. I think I was like 10 years old and I was, and I, I did pretty well in track. I, I was getting some wins, but there were some times when maybe it just wasn't my day. And I remember crossing the line fifth place. And I was like, I was distraught. I mean, you know, first, second, and third gets medals, and you get like this little, like fold over ribbon. It's just like it's almost like better to just not have anything and give me this, you know, flimsy little ribbon that I came home with. And I was, I was upset, and I was like, I'm just bawling in the back. And I remember sitting in the back seat of the car 
we're going home. And like my mother was in the passenger seat and she wanted to talk to me. And my dad just gave her that look like, mm -mm. let him soak all of that loss. Let him soak all of those thoughts together, because that means that when I go back into practice, when I go back into the lab, when I go back into the weight room, when I go back into where I train, I'm going to be thinking about the fact that I don't like the feeling of crossing the line fifth place when the tape is already on the ground. So I'm going to do what it takes to be able to be better, be stronger, you know, be wiser, just be overall better. So when you when you say you have a box that's full of trophies, yet you never won anything, what does that create? It creates a sense of entitlement. It creates a sense of, you know, this is the people who just want raises for showing up to work, right? Not because they're producing more for the company, not because the company's making more money because of their efforts, but because I'm existing and I and I and I'm here. I'm present. Man, that's not what gets it done. And that's why, that's why we have a class of, of youngsters who are just mentally weak with any type of adversity coming to them. And they're just like, they can't take much of anything. And it's and it's sad. And so we do, we do need to get back to that. You know, I know we hear the the toxic label. And you know, I may ruffle some feathers with this one, but you know what? Give me the toxic guy, right? Give me the toxic guy. We can tone down toxicity, but the, the, the entitled, I deserve something because I showed up here. My parents paid for me to get into this. Uh-uh. Give me, give me the toxic guy and we'll, t we'll take it down a notch or two. But that person over there has a mindset to where you have to build like a whole lot up to get a work ethic to a point where they know that it's going to take some grinding out to be able to get to where they need to be. And it creates like this lethargic, low self-esteem attitude. And those are tough to work with in sports, man, and even in life and in anything. They are in, in, in life. By the way, a, a wise man um, has a quote that I want to uh, put up here, and that is, uh, idle minds bring about thoughts and actions that lead to destruction. That guy's pretty smart. That guy's you, by the way, who said that. <laughs> well... I think my transcript and many of my professors would, would think otherwise. I, I've, I've just always been somewhat more of a of a hustling type. And, and, and Kevin, I will say I am smart because I look for all of the smartest people and I have meetings with them and I want to surround myself with a lot of smart people. I'm not saying that I'm just like, you know, some guy who can't get anything done. I mean, I was a proud C plus student. You know, because I came up during a time when being a dumb jock was a badge of honor. So I blame it on society. I will take no responsibility for that because that was the culture I came up in. No, right. but really, I, um, I, I, I do enjoy being able to keep smart people around me so that I can keep everything together, just like you have a good team around you. Well, you know, I'll tell you, the, the fact of the matter is that you have got to, if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're doing something wrong because you need people that are smarter than you to help you build your company, build your corporation, build your lifestyle, whatever it is, because you can't, if you're the smartest guy in the room and everybody just sits there and nods, Oh, look how smart he is. Look at what he, he's so smart. He did. You're going to fail. It's not going to, it's not going to work for you. You need the best people around you. And that I, there's lots and lots of uh, folks have said that in the past, but a lot of <laughs> A lot of people don't want to do that because it's uncomfortable when somebody calls you out on your stuff when they're smarter than you. Yeah. And then, and then one day you just realize that like 
to be successful, you need that. So why don't you just swallow it, you know, and just be like, ah, you know, and once you do it enough, I think, I think you, you, you sort of get over it. And like you said, if you're the smartest guy in the room, there's a problem. And, and, and I think that goes back to one of the things that um, I notated recently was like, get the yes people out of your life. Get all the yes people, get all of the man, Kevin's the best, like get, get those people where like that's all they tell you is how awesome you are like you will (laughs) you will never grow you will never achieve anything if you just keep a bunch of yes people around you it's 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 that's toxic keeping yes people around you is toxic people who only see all of your good and patting you on the back and every idea you come man that's the greatest idea maybe it wasn't it probably wasn't but yet they tell you that every single time. And it's, 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 it's really, it can really stunt your growth. Just like giving kids trophies for, you know, getting beat up and losing 49 or nothing um, is a bad idea as well. Exactly. By the way, my um, executive assistant and consultant, whatever you want to call her, is um, wherever she's listening to this, is pumping her fist into the sky saying, you go, Amard, because you're right. Because <laughs> she does not give me a pass even even though it's my show and my name's on and all that kind of stuff she's like you know you could have done this better you could have done this better and because i nobody's perfect and she is not going to oh she wants me to be better and those are the i had a little league coach that uh and i was 12 years old and he was doing infield and he um and one of the players uh kept on um, muffing the ball and uh, the coach was yelling at him, you got to keep your hands down. You got to keep his legs apart. You got to da, 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 da. And, um, and the kids started to cry. And the, the coach stopped everybody and said, look, when I stop yelling at you is when you need to be concerned because that means I've given up on you. If I, as long as I keep going and I'm not going to give up on you, I may have to yell at you to get you to do what you need to do, but I haven't given up. When I stop talking to you and stop yelling at you, I've given up and then, then it's all over. That, that to me was a very important moment in my life. That was, and that's the reason why you're on positive talk radio with a group of people around who around you who are awesome because you do, that is the thing. The, the, the player who's getting rode, like just, man, it's just like, he can do nothing right now. They always say, well, there's a limit to that. And it's like, well, maybe, but a lot of times those people who got rode really hard are extremely successful now. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how that works, you know, and remember, like, it's kind of like the strict parents versus the, you know, do what you want. I guess to about today's terms, the kids will say the YOLO parents, um, you know, do what you want parents, you know, cause my dad, man, my dad didn't give me no leeway. I mean, like, I mean, for goodness sakes, like he would just wake me up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning when I was a kid for no other reason other than. I pay the bills here. Get up and do something. But what? But, but what? It doesn't matter. I used to. I used to always jokingly say, my dad would wake me up at like seven o'clock in the morning and say, "Hey, get up, meet me in the garage." And I used to say, I think every step he's thinking about what needs to be done in the garage. Yet he has no clue. It's just the idea that a child is not going to be laying up in his house and not contributing anything on a daily basis. And it drove me nuts at the time. But like now, I get it, and now I'm. I'm going to turn into that guy. I'm turning into that guy with my teenagers now. I'm just like, what, what are you What are you doing? You're sitting over there doing nothing. I'm just kind of hanging out. You know what? Walk with me. 
And I'm like looking for it like a trash bag. I'm looking for some tra- some cans to be picked up. I'm looking for something. I'm like, I've turned into my father. But I understand where that comes from. Like we we need to once again, we're back to the idle minds. Do you want them just sitting over there just doing nothing, hanging out, playing video games? Or do you want them being uh, uh, productive? You know, because we have enough of lack of productivity. You you can see now, I mean, let's we're not gonna get too political, but there's a there's when 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 unearned money gets pumped into the to the to the economy, there's a there's a there's a there's a trade-off to that. And we're dealing with it right now for the fact that one egg costs twelve dollars. Okay, that's what happens. So when you don't have enough productivity, this is what you create. And so, yes, I like the fact that your coach wrote you, and I like the fact that your executive assistant is is holding you accountable as too uh, as well. So shout out to her. Um, (laughs) Tell her she can fist pump one more time. She's I got her on my side. You know, we'll 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 chat later. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know the 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 and by the way, I was looking at your website. And I was looking at some of your videos and you are a motivational speaker and you talk to teenage boys and you talk to kids and you were doing a, you were doing a talk and those kids were like quiet, silent. They were wrapped in your, what you were saying. They were listening to what you were saying. They didn't dare speak. They didn't, they, they were, it was really was other. They were really paying attention because they valued what you were saying because they knew that what you were saying was the truth. Yeah. And, and I try to, Kevin, when I, when I come onto the scene before I, before I take the stage, I, I try to identify some young men for one. I try to, I try to look for the leaders, look for guys who get after it and um, uh, leaders of men. But I also look for the guy who seems like he is not quite sure he's there, why he's there. He's sort of drifting off and it's just like, you know, and you start asking him a few questions. Where did he come from? How did we get here? And things of that nature. So I try to connect with them and then I not so much introduce them during the talk, but I make a, a point to say, you know, when I talked to Billy, Billy said one of his goals is this. And what may end up happening is, is the rest of the team may not know Billy's goals because Billy hasn't felt confident enough to be able to share that. But by me, calling Billy and empowering Billy on the site, then, then we can work with something for years. I used to, uh, I used to have a, a, a thing called fight like RJ. I did a talk probably, Oh man, not too long after I wrote awaken the baller within. And I remember given the, uh, one of the coaches came up to me and said, you know, we, we, you know, we're, they were on a 19 game losing streak. I think they were like, probably like two and 40 something. Oh my. Yeah, it was bad. And so he was like, man, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, coach, you know, I got I got a new book out and, you know, it really does get to the heart of what athletes need. And so he bought 10 copies of the book. And I remember like two weeks later, he called me and he's like, hey, we got a kid down here who's who's bought in and he's out here empowering all of the team. And I was like, hey, you know what? For that, I'm going to drive down there and I'm going to give your guys a chalk talk. This was off season. It's like eight o'clock in the morning before practice. And I'm walking into a room. There's not a single D1 player in the room. There's not a single D2 player in the, in the room. It's 27 guys, small country Texas town. And I remember Coach pulling me aside and was like, here's the guy who, um, who, was, who, who bought into the message of your book. He was 5'6", 145 pounds, and he was a running back. And I was like, 
this guy is the one? He's like, yeah, he's rallying the troops. And so I remember, I remember that as a great example. So you got all these guys in the room and I say, somebody bring me RJ. Where is RJ? And I brought RJ down and I was just like, RJ is you all's leader. This guy was so, mind you, like I'm bigger than RJ by like, you know, a bunch. And I'm like, RJ is going to be the guy. So I could see RJ getting into these old linemen's face or whatever. I mean, you know, he's down there and he's pointing up at them and he's getting after it. And so then I was just like, you know, I, I said the fight like RJ became a thing that I was doing in all of my chalk talks. And so what I would do is I would go to a school and I would ask for a roster and I'd find the smallest guy on every roster and I'd bring him to the front of the room and say, hey, where's where's Danny? Where's Danny? Like, Danny, come on down. And, you know, they're giving a high five. Danny is like, all right, Danny is you all's guy. I want you all to listen to Danny. If anything happens to Danny, I will come out here and I will handle all of you personally. You take care of Danny because Danny is going to lead this team into a new promised land. And so that became that became a thing uh, with that. And so just looking at the idea that a that a guy of that stature ended up transforming a team. That next year, they won three football games. The year after that, they won five. Coach texts me three years later, two years, two or three years later, they had made the playoffs. And then the following year, won a playoff game. So you went from having a 19-game losing streak to making a playoffs within three years. You can say, well, how do you get there? Because of the mindset, right? The smallest guy in the room decided to, to buy in. And so when you say those guys were attentive, it's like I try to bring a level of confidence into the room where sometimes it's down. Sometimes you go into some locker rooms. It's like it's like the Trail of Tears 9-11. You know, the the shuttle Columbia, it, it's just dismal, right? And so you have to find whatever the spark is. And sometimes you go into some places where there's not many sparks, but you start digging around and there's one person with a match. I find the one person with a match and I go get a whole bunch of gasoline and I throw it on him and I throw him in the middle of his team. That's why you'll see a lot of those guys sort of leaning in because, you know, and plus they look at me as, as I'm a guy and I'm like, you know, he's a jock like we are. Right. Like, you know, I'm not some intellectual. I mean, I wear a suit sometimes, but, you know, I pull the suit off and be like, hey, man, I'll get in the mud with you. We're going to get we'll go and get in the like doing that sometimes getting to a school early and going in there and clacking some weights with the guys. All of those things, all of those things is what brings things together for me to be able to uh, to to gain the attention uh, of young men. And plus, they know that when I walk into the room, I love them. I love them at a time when. Society doesn't seem to care as much about young men as they did back when you and I were coming up, right? They they kind of look at us as disposable these days. And I'm just not here for that, Kevin. Um, you know, wanting guys to, you know, get in touch with their soft side, want them to not, you know, value co- competition and winning, don't want us fighting anymore. Why not? We're warriors, right? We're called to, to provide and protect. Well, it's going to take some competition to get there. And you can't do it with, you know, passive, you know, entitled men. So I'm the guy who wants to come in and like, hey, man, I want all you guys to stand up and go make some moves. Be strong. Go out there. Wrestle each other all the way to the ground and then do it again. Because I want them to have a competitive spirit about themselves. I don't want them sitting back and being lax. I want them to go out there and conquer the world. They, the, the, the young men of today are going to be the ones building our country going forward. So, yes, 
I'm going to lean in. Yes, I'm going to get onto you. Yes, I'm going to expect more from you because that's what we need today. We don't need any more of this other stuff. This other stuff isn't working and we see the results of that right now. It's developing a um, the right culture, isn't it? In, like in, within a locker room, within a team, if you have got the wrong culture there and everybody, and it's okay to lose, you will lose. If it's, if they're, if it's not okay to lose and you lose, you're going to be irritated and you're going to be um, quite angry that you lose. Um, and you're going to take steps to make it, to fix it. Um, but if, and so you're, you're right. It's, it's the culture and part of it's the, the culture of our, of where we are right now. We're not, we're not expecting things the way that we should, I don't think. And, and as far as performance goes and stuff, and I, I really like the way that you approach young people because you are kind, you're loving, but you also have an expectation of that, that they need to do things in the right way. Yes. I, I, I hold, I hold my young men uh, very accountable. If any of them are listening to this uh, from the great state of Texas uh, on the North side of Houston, they, they know that I'll walk by them and give them that look and they know exactly what that look is. Um, it's a look to where, you know, you know, you're a parent. You know the difference between being mad and being disappointed. That's two yes. totally different, two totally different things. You know, mad, get over it. Disappointed, you hurt your, you hurt, you hurt the soul of your parents, right? And so, I do have high expectations for them because I don't want them lame. I don't want them weak. I want them, you know, strong family, you know, citizens of of this country. I want them to build stuff. I want them to build families. I want them to build communities. I want them to build uh, sports teams. I want them to to raise strong, more young men and 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 women. Like that's what I want. So yes, I, I'm I'm going to be hard at them sometimes. You know, it's funny they'll give me they'll give me that look like time and they'll look at me like the, I know they're mad at me and it's like I don't care. I don't care if you're upset with me. That doesn't that doesn't bother me because there's nothing greater than somebody saying, oh, I'll show you. Please do. By all means, go for it. Go show me. Show me what that is. Yeah, you don't understand. I got, and they're like, they're like grimacing at, you know, I went out there and I got it done. And I'm like, mission accomplished. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it, and when, no, when that, go ahead. I was just going to say, and when that happens, when you, when a child is in a situation that you are as a parent are disappointed in them, be it grades, be it um, they don't show up on time when they're supposed to be home and they don't get here or whatever. When they achieve what you're asking them to achieve, and even if they are angry at you in the process, they accomplish something and they can hold their head high, uh, a lot higher than it would have been if they not been able to accomplish it. And that's, isn't that how we do go through life? Is that we fail and then we succeed and then we fail and then we fail and then we fail and then we succeed and we're working. If, if you keep going and keep going, then you will not fail, but you have to have that mindset. And that comes from your upbringing of from people that are around you. And that's why I personally think sports is very important for everybody to play, especially team sports, because it's, you are responsible. It's like football. You're one of 11. If you don't do your job, nobody else gets to do their job either. And you're going to fail as a team. And nobody wants to be the one who 
fails. So everybody works a little bit harder and, and it, it becomes a really important thing for everybody. And then when you win, it's so sweet. It is so cool. <laughs> You're right. And I, and I, I like how you went with the team sports and I'll, I'll, I'll double down on that. I think team sports are important because, um, accountability, like you said, you don't take care of your job. Um, you know, I have my guys look at, look at the guy next to him and say, you know, look at your brother and tell him that you're not, that you won't fail him, that you'll be, that you'll be there for him. You'll, you'll, you'll take care of your job to make sure that he, that he can take care of his. And if everyone has that accountability factor, then boom, we have somewhere. But I also, in addition to doing a team sport, if, especially in the early years, I like young men to do an individual sport as well. Track, wrestling, tennis, um, swimming, um, something to uh, something to where <laughs> when you take that loss, there's no one to look at but you. Exactly. That that it's a character building thing. Like when you're in a wrestling ring, good. There's no one else to blame. It's just you and another guy, mano a mano, and you come out winning or you come out with a loss. Those build a lot of character because it, it brings about a level of humility because you have to respect, you know, the guy who just pinned you. You got to respect the guy who just blew past you. You got to respect the person who's just got a better, a better stroke, whether it's in the pool or, or, or on a tennis court, you have to respect that. And you have to humble yourself to, to the point where it's just like, that's all me because you can't, you can't point at someone else. You know, you're you're doing a long jump. You can't point at anyone else. It's only you. When 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 you're in the pool and you jump in and you look up and you got fourth, there's no one else to look at. I mean, you could try blaming your coach. Good luck with that. The bottom line is, is that you need to take that in, internalize it, look at it, you know, take inventory of it and say, you know, how did we get here? What do we need to do better? And then sometimes you might say, well, I could have did a little bit more practice time. I need to work on this a little bit more. But then sometimes, man, sometimes it's just not your day. Or sometimes that guy over there is just better than you. I remember um, when I was running summer track, and you, you guys might know who this is, but uh, one of my teammates early on was a guy named David Boston. He um, he played uh, he played at Ohio State, and he played for the Dolphins for a little while. Huge guy. He was a couple of years older than me. And I remember every time he was at a track meet, and we were in the same heat. I got second place. When he went to go play baseball, I won and got first place. And now, and it was just like it didn't matter how hard I trained. That guy was just bigger, stronger, and faster than me. Like my whole life. And sometimes it just that's what it is. You know, I'm not saying it's and it was only in a particular race, but that particular race, he beat me every time. But you learn to live with that and you learn to know like. What pushing yourself to your max, what that looks like. See, where where things are going on now, and you caught some of that with your sons. It's like if we reward mediocrity, like we are done. We're done as a society, we're done as a country, we're done as everything. Because when when greatness is not the standard, someone else is going to fill that void. Something else is going to fill that void. We we can we cannot sit back and just be like it's okay to be mediocre. Now, if you're just not that good at something, that's fine. But when mediocre is the goal, or just or what I like to call the just good enough syndrome, that's a problem. Because 
I encourage all of my classes to max out your fitness level every time you come into class. Everybody's not moving at the same pace, but I want you exhausted when you get done here because I want you to max out whatever level of fitness you are at. Take it all the way to the edge and leave here fulfilled knowing that you did something that's going to better your life. And we've lost some of that. And I'm hoping and praying we bring it back sooner than later. With people like you, we will. It's it's an important it's an important aspect. By the way, we're talking with Amard Vital, and uh, I really enjoy this conversation. That's why I needed to have you on KKNW because you are you really are a very talented man. He's got uh, you've got four books out right now. Is that right? Uh, three. You've got what now and awaken the baller within. That's a whole show all by itself, by the way, and also the book. I am more than enough. Three ways to overcome fear of your, of your own reflection. That's another show um, because we can talk, talk about those things uh, because what all you're trying to help people to understand is they can do anything that they choose to do. And as long as they work hard enough to be able to do it. And, you know, the, the, we have the law of attraction and stuff and the energetic things and, and which are fine, but, you can if you don't work your your hardest to get what you want to get done done it's not going to happen um so always do your best and tell your children to always do their best uh that would be that would be my advice and we've just got two minutes left i'm going to set myself aside and i want you to tell our audience anything that you feel they need to know right now you know i'm a you know i'm i'm, I'm i work with i work with a lot of young adults and and I'm big in the ministry, I'm big in the service, I'm big in the gratitude. And I'll leave your audience with this. Um, and it has nothing to do with most of what we've been talking about, yet it has everything to do with it. Live the best life you can, then give it all away. Live the best life you can, then give it all away. My father told me that uh, before my teenage years. And for whatever reason, of all the things he said, that's one of the ones I remember. Um, life is not meant to be left lived alone. You need a community. Um, and also the greatest things that God has given you, you need to share it with others. We're here to serve one another. We're here to build one another. We're here to empower one another. We're here to love one another. If ever a time you get to where you think that this game of life is about you, Think about giving something away, yourself, your time, your resources, whatever that looks like for you. But I will leave you all with that. Just make sure that at the forefront of everything you do, it leaves with service, humility, and gratitude. I think you can live a great and empowered life. And we can start turning the tides of the backwardness of this been going on in our country over the past 10 or 15 years. It's time to get back to being a service-oriented, loving group of people. And I'll leave them with that. I couldn't say that any better than that. And uh, that's that's why you're here. Go go to um, AhmadBatal.com. Find out all the information about him. Buy his books. Buy his books for your kids. And it's, it's awfully nice to have you here. Will you come back and visit me again? Absolutely, because we didn't even get a chance to talk about your Seahawks and and uh, and, and bring that back. So <laughs> I know, 
a whole nother conversation. I'll need to do some research before I jump in and talk about your Seahawks, but we can definitely talk about the past. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We need to dig through. So we got to go. And I want to tell everybody, please be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you Monday at three. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now, and if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information, with real people discussing real issues, and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, my friend. I'd really like to thank you for listening to the show today. As you may know, I started Positive Talk Radio way back in 2003. We were one of the first shows on KKNW for 11 months. I was fortunate to be part of many lives, making a positive difference with great interviews and discussions, creating new thoughts and ideas. Sadly, for financial reasons, I had to terminate the show. Well, it took 18 years, but we're back better than ever. And not only on KKNW Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but also podcasting with several inspiring channels with the same driving passion as the original. Please visit kmmedia.pro for complete information about all of these shows. In addition... If you feel called to keep positive programming on the air, you can join us by sponsoring the show and aligning yourself with our mission, which is nothing short of saving the planet and each other. Again, that's kmmedia.pro. I'll see you there.